You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. As Israel was wandering in the wilderness and God was providing manna from heaven, they kept thinking about the food they left back in Egypt and they craved the food of Egypt. Because physically, it tasted better than the manna from heaven, which represented Christ. The grass being greener is not always the wisest path. Just because it's personally appealing and physically satisfying doesn't mean it's God's direction. The temptation to constantly lust after a better life is real, and social media takes it to the next level. Have you found yourself wanting what others have? In today's message, Pastor Danny will teach about following God's will. He'll teach about Lot and how easily he was influenced by his surroundings. Pastor Danny encourages you today to find strength in God instead of strength in your surroundings. The Bible is full of teachable lessons for us to learn from. God gave us His Word to live by and to follow. What is the Lord teaching you today? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Genesis chapter 19 as he begins his message, Lot's Journey of Faith. As we follow the journey now of Abraham's nephew, Lot. God had called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldeans. He was an idolater. He worshiped other gods. Joshua chapter 24, Joshua refers back to that. He said, our forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham, worship other gods beyond the river. God calls Abraham. He responds to the call. And they leave the life of idolatry in Ur of the Chaldeans, and they begin their journey of faith. Back in the old country, Lot's dad dies. And so Abraham, Lot's uncle, takes him under his wings, and Abraham becomes like a father to Lot. They begin their journey of faith together. Chapter 12, verse 4. So Abraham left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. They began their journey of faith together. And in the nine characteristics about Lot that we're going to look at, the first one I need to give you just a little bit of background, because Abraham, of the ten characteristics we looked at last week in the journey of Abraham and his faith, I want to remind us of two. One, he was an altar builder. Everywhere he went, you read about his life, wherever he went, he made sure his priority in life was to build an altar to the Lord. It wasn't a corporate place of worship. It was a personal place of worship. Second thing we learned about Abraham 
is that he was a tent dweller for his entire life. He lived in tents. He never let his roots go down deep here. And then of all the other characteristics we looked at with Abraham, Lot was a very lucky dude. Why? Because he had a godly example in Uncle Abe. But it's one thing to have a godly example in life. It's another thing to emulate, imitate, follow that godly example. My wife is a godly example to her children and to me. My wife is an altar builder. My children see her build altars daily. I'm an altar builder. My children see me building altars. It's one thing to have a godly example in life. It's another thing to follow that godly example. And when you read the journey of faith of Lot, there's not one record of him ever building an altar to the Lord. Even though he saw it in his uncle. He saw it. He witnessed it. He had a godly example. But it appears he didn't follow the godly example that God had provided for him. And so, the second characteristic, which we'll read it first, and then I'll put it up on the screen. Genesis chapter 13. Abraham is blessed. Lot is blessed. They got a lot of livestock. As they're traveling, uh, there's not enough grass for both of their livestock. And so Abraham goes to Lot, and he says, look, we're brothers. We shouldn't be fighting. You go one way, I'll go the other, and I'll give you first choice. Verse 10 of chapter 13, Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan, and he set out toward the east. The two men parted company. And Lot's choice here was carnal. He made a carnal decision. You say, what does it mean to make a carnal decision? Well, if you go back to the old 1887 Noah Webster Dictionary, it gives you a very good definition of what carnal means. It simply means worldly-minded. Worldly-minded. He looked and he said, the grass is greener over there. This will be the best decision and I'll have more grass than Even Uncle Abe, he made a decision just based on what it looked like physically and what was appealing to him personally. Jude 19, verse 19, that little, little letter just before the book of Revelation. In verse 19, Jude mentions people in the church who follow mere natural instincts. And not the Spirit of God. The beginning of sin. Genesis chapter 3. In the garden. Eve, it says, she looked. She saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. And pleasing to the eye. Physically satisfying. Pleasing to the eye. But those aren't necessarily the best reasons to go a direction or make a decision. Sometimes it's the wrong way. 
the food of Egypt as Israel was wandering in the wilderness and God was providing manna from heaven. They kept thinking about the food they left back in Egypt and they craved the food of Egypt because physically it tasted better than the manna from heaven, which represented Christ. The grass being greener is not always the wisest path. Just because it's personally appealing and physically satisfying doesn't mean it's God's direction. Now, no extra charge before we go to the third characteristic in Lot's journey of faith. How do I make, as a Christian, good decisions in life? I'm going to give them to you very quickly. Number one, pray. Pray. You want God's blessing? You want God's direction? Well, ask Him. Ask Him. Lord, lead me. Lord, what's the right decision? Which is the right direction? Second, after you pray, peace, peace. Colossians tells us, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. The word has to do with an umpire who, when you get out of pounds, blows the whistle. And if you don't have peace about it after you prayed about it, don't do it. I don't care how good it looks. And third, make sure that the decision you're making and the direction you're heading is not a clear violation of something in this book. Pray. Let the peace of God rule in your heart and be guided by the Word of God. Chapter 13 Verse 12, Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Third thing we find about Lot is he placed himself in a very unwise position. He pitched his tents near Sodom and he began to hang out there. And hanging out there was not a good idea. Why? Well, in chapter 14, some kings get together and they get their armies and they go against the kings that rule over the area of Sodom and Gomorrah and that whole area down south of Jerusalem. And as these kings come down now toward where Lot has pitched his tents, then you get to verse 12 of chapter 14, they win a victory, they take some people with them, and the spoils, and it says they also carried off Abraham's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. He left the tent life, and he moved into Sodom. Bad move. Bad decision. God is going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He's not going to do it without telling his friend Abraham. And so... If you read chapter 18, as God tells Abraham he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham starts to think, wait a minute, Lot's down there. And he begins to intercede on behalf of Lot. And it's a humorous chapter. I mean, it really is. What do you mean? Well, in chapter 18, um, Abraham begins with God and says, surely the judge of all the earth, he won't destroy the wicked with the righteous. And then he says, if you find 50 righteous people in Sodom, will you spare them? And God says, I will. And then Abraham starts to think, I don't know if Lot reached that many people with his life and his faith. How about 45, Lord? 
And it's a whole humorous thing where he goes 45, and then he says, Lord, don't be angry. How about 40? God says, okay, 40. And then he says, how about 35? Okay, 35. How about 30? How about 25? How about 20? Oh, Lord, don't be angry. 15? Okay, 15. One last request. If you find 10 righteous people, will you spare it? And God says, okay, if I find 10, I'll spare it. But he couldn't find 10. And so he's sending his angels, two angels, select angels, to go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Now go to chapter 19 of Genesis and look at the opening verse. The two angels arrived in Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. What does that mean? He's become a significant man in Sodom. Just by reading that, he's sitting at the gate. Yeah. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 23. It's a proverb about the virtuous woman, but it mentions her husband. Here's what it says. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. And other Bible verses bear out that in this ancient culture, the leaders of a city gathered at the city gate. And here's Lot now. He's left the tent life, he's moved into Sodom, and he's become a significant figure in Sodom. And then you get to chapter 19, verse 12. The two angels said to Lot, do you have anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons or daughters, anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here. Because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry of the Lord against its people is so great that he sent us to destroy it. So Lot goes out speaks to his sons-in-law who were pledged to be married to his daughters. He said, hurry, get out of this place because the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. Ah, good joke, you're funny. Despite the significant figure he's become in Sodom, the record indicates he had very little, if any, spiritual impact in Sodom. And it also indicates that he had very little, if any, spiritual impact on his own immediate family. And with that, he's going to let his two daughters marry men of Sodom, who we just read were sinning greatly against the Lord. You're going to put your blessing on that kind of relationship? And then chapter 19, verse 15. With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife, your two daughters who are here, or you'll be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, hesitated. You're escaping judgment, and you're slow to get out of town? The men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful. How frustrated these angels must be. You dumb human, get out of here. And they have to grab him, grab his wife, grab the two daughters, and physically pull them. And that's the sixth characteristic in his journey of faith. He's reluctant to leave Sodom. Now, that is on the surface perplexing to me in light of a New Testament scripture that Peter writes. Put a marker in Genesis. Go with me and take a quick look at 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter, chapter 2, verse 7. 
If God rescued Lot, a righteous man, he's saved by faith, who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Well, if that's true, and it is, we have it right here in our New Testament Bible. Why was he hesitant to leave? Because despite how repulsed he was by the sinning and what was going on in Sodom, He's got a family now. He's got relationships now. He's a significant figure now. And I'm going to give you one more suggestion. He got comfortable and saw him. Because humanly, physically, naturally, it's a whole lot easier to live in Sodom than the tent life probably had ancient air conditioning in Sodom. (laughs) He got comfortable. Despite the sin going on, despite how repulsed he was, he's got roots in Sodom. And number seven, some people say you're stretching the Bible on number seven. Well, I, I don't think so. Let me give you number seven. After I read the text, Genesis chapter 19, verse 17. Genesis 19, verse 17. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, the angel, flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you'll be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes, and you've shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me, and I'll die. Look, here's a town near enough to run to. And it's small, isn't it? Let me go there. Then my life will be spared. You see what he said? That's too far for me to run. Let me go somewhere closer. This is Sodom's effect on him practically and personally. I'm going to suggest to you that number seven includes the fact that this dude's out of shape. I can't run there. I'll die. Give me someplace closer. Can I go there? And they give him permission. You say, you're stretching the Bible. I don't think so. A lot of people say the sin of Sodom was homosexuality. Not according to the Bible. Wait a minute. Homosexuality wasn't rampant in Sodom? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. But it was a byproduct a byproduct of the root. Ezekiel tells us the sin of Sodom. This was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. I think the dude was out of shape. I think he just got comfortable in Sodom. He got comfortable with that lifestyle. And when now it's time to flee for his life, he's like, I can't run there. I'll never make it. Haven't been to the gym in years. And then chapter 19, verse 23. By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of heaven. Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, including all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. 
My first trip to Israel, I wasn't leading the tour, but our guide at the time, we were down south toward that area, toward Sodom and Gomorrah, dry desert area, and the guide talking about some of the biblical points of the land, and then he pointed out what looked like a little statue way off in the distance. He said, that's Lot's wife. And some of the people bought it. (laughs) If you go to Israel and the guide says, that's Lot's wife, it's not Lot's wife. She did turn into a pillar of salt. Why? Because her heart was in Sodom. Don't look back. She looked back. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now before we go to the last point, where did Lot get his wife? If you study the story carefully, you will note that when Abraham and Lot leave Ur of the Chaldeans, Abraham is already married, but there's no mention of Lot having a wife or children. And it appears from the record that he met his wife and married after he left Ur of the Chaldeans. And it is likely, likely to me, that one of the reasons he pitched his tents near Sodom and then moved into Sodom was because he met a woman from Sodom. And he fell in love. Doesn't tell us that explicitly. Doesn't tell us that specifically. But man, when you read between the lines. And then I'm not going to read the details of what happens after his wife turns into a pillar of salt and now he becomes a single dad with two daughters. They end up living in a cave. And the daughters get together and say, how in the world are we going to have kids now? And they come up with this plan. Let's get dad drunk. And they get their father, Lot, drunk. And on the first night, he is so sloshed One of the daughters goes in, sleeps with him. She becomes pregnant, and he doesn't even remember that he slept with his daughter. It works, so the second night, they get him drunk again. The second daughter goes in, sleeps with dad, and she becomes pregnant. And what I will read is the outcome. Chapter 19, verse 36 So both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their father. The older daughter had a son, and she named him Moab, and he's the father of the Moabites of today. The younger daughter also had a son, and she named him Ben-Ami. He's the father of the Ammonites of today. And both of those people became enemies of Israel. He had daughters that were morally permissive. I wonder where they were influenced. Sodom. And the fruit of their moral laxness were descendants that became enemies of the people of God. Well, there it is. Nine characteristics of Lot's journey of faith. And what I did at the end for me, and I'm going to pass it on to you. What did I learn from that? What do you get from that? I'll tell you the first thing. Find a godly example in life and imitate them. I hope you got a mom or a dad that's, that's an altar builder. A lot of people don't.
Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. Pastor Danny's study, Gleanings from the Old Testament, will continue next time, so be sure to tune in again. Through this study, you'll meet a variety of characters, some strong in their faith and others not, some who seem to have a massive role in society and others who only have a minor part to play. Each person and each situation have a valuable lesson for you, though, and it's worth your time and attention. You can and should learn from their triumphs as well as their failures, and you can take comfort in the one that they all served, your Creator, God Himself. You also have the privilege of seeing the future that they had yet to know. You have the rest of Scripture to dig into as well. Today, we encourage you to read again the passage that Pastor Danny taught on, or turn to another part of the Bible. You won't be disappointed, and God has plenty to tell you on every page of Scripture. It truly is the living Word. If you'd like to explore more of Pastor Danny's messages from this series or others, we encourage you to visit our website, ccfstpete.church. Just click on Sermons to be directed to our YouTube page, and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. That website one more time is ccfstpete.church. That's all we have time for for today. We'll continue walking through the Old Testament next time, right here on The Living Word.